Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are winding down another great week in Texas agriculture. Thanks so much for joining us for Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host, and I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. We're covering everything from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. We are getting some rain in the Texas High Plains now and then, but drought was a common topic of conversation at the Hempel County Beef Conference this week. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The U.S. cattle industry continues to produce more while using and emitting less. I'm Jessica Domel and I have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Recent cold temperatures have slowed the beginning of spring planting for farmers on the Texas Southern Plains. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Recent rains in some parts of the state have helped ease drought concerns. According to the Texas Water Development Board, 67% of the state is now under moderate or worse drought. That sounds bad, but it's down eight percentage points from last week, and that's one of the largest one-week improvements since early January. Much of the improvement was seen in the northeast corner of the state, and the Water Development Board says that area could see even more improvement in next week's report. Extreme and exceptional drought remains in west and far west Texas, the Rio Grande Valley, and south Texas. There are also patches of extreme drought in Dickens and King counties east of Lubbock, in Coriel County in central Texas, and in Matagoria and Brazoria counties along the Texas coast. The National Weather Service says drought will continue to be a major concern for the western United States, including us here in Texas, for the immediate future. But there is a bright spot. The National Weather Service predicts by the end of July, most of east Texas should be drought-free. And speaking of drought, it was a hot topic at the big Hemp Hill County Beef Conference in Canadian this week. James Hunt was there. There are reasons for optimism in the cattle business right now, but the current drought and worries that it might last a lot longer was a common concern I heard expressed at the Hempel County Beef Conference. During a break in the program, Cattle Facts market analyst Troy Applehans told me there are lessons to be drawn upon from the last time we were in an extensive drought, back in that 2011, 2012, 2013 time frame. The first thing that happened during that is that we got into a bull market and then it started raining and producers unfortunately that weren't able to hold on to their inventory numbers had to buy those cattle back to fill their grass at double triple the cost 
And there were a lot of cattle in terms of bred females, whether they were bred heifers or young cows that were purchased at too high of a price that never got an opportunity to pay for themselves. And I hope we don't get into that situation when it does start raining. There are other things to cause worry for livestock producers at the present time, such as the high cost of feed and the continued inventory backup triggered by the pandemic. But an encouraging positive, according to Applehans, is the fact that in the competition among proteins, beef is in a good position as the economy recovers. We've got these cattle grading 80% plus choice or prime, and we've got the best product that we've ever had. And people want to go out there and spend money, they're going to eat beef. So Applehans believes better times, i.e. stronger cattle markets, are in store over the next three or four years if producers can withstand the present challenges. There's a lot of producers out there that haven't been very profitable over the past several years, and a lot of them have gone out of business, and this drought certainly isn't going to help. And so I think if you can hang on to your inventory, that's the thing to do because these prices will get a little better for you. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. cattle industry has been producing more while using and emitting less. Jessica Domel has more. Earth Day may have come and gone, but efforts to reduce greenhouse gases, preserve, and conserve our natural resources haven't ended. Dr. Sarah Place, Chief Sustainability Officer for Alanco, says the beef cattle industry has worked hard over the years to produce more while reducing or maintaining their footprint on the environment. So if we look at total greenhouse gas emissions uh, from the beef cattle industry, they've remained fairly stable over the past decade. And honestly, if you look at the pattern, it really just follows the cattle cycle. Unsurprisingly, as we went through the drought in the early part of the last decade, emissions actually went down as we had fewer cattle and they've rebounded a bit as we have more cattle. But over the long run, it has been fairly stable for the U.S. beef cattle industry in terms of the total amount of direct emissions that came from the industry. So just to put that in starker terms, right? if we compare like 1990 to today and the USDA cattle inventory data, we essentially have the same number of cattle, about 2% fewer cattle, roughly the same number of cattle as 1990 today, but beef production has increased 18%. So the cattle themselves are slightly larger, so they emit a little bit more gas, if that makes sense. Bigger animals, they eat more, and that means more fermentation and more gas per animal. But the amount that beef production has grown is greater than that. That's that positive story there of essentially decoupling production of beef from emissions, which is really, really important in this whole conversation. Practices like changing a cow's diet has helped reduce or maintain greenhouse gas emissions. And Dr. Place says research into new ways to cut greenhouse gas emissions and conserve our natural resources continues today. There's some new research now about methane, and it is a potent greenhouse gas, not to minimize that at all. It is, on a 100-year time frame, about 28 times more potent than carbon dioxide, and that different potency is accounted for when I give you that 2% stat. But the other thing about methane is it's short-lived. That actually creates an opportunity for the cattle industry in that because of its short-lived nature and because methane is continuously being broken down in the atmosphere as well, to carbon dioxide is essentially part of a cycle and a fairly short-lived cycle. From a practical perspective for the cattle industry, holding methane emissions constant or even slightly declining those emissions means that the industry itself is not going to contribute to further additional warming. So it makes a, a tangible goal there pretty clear in terms of how we, the cattle industry can really be a part of the climate change solution. That was Dr. Sarah Place, the Chief Sustainability Officer for Alanco. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Recent cold temperatures have slowed the beginning of spring planting for farmers on the Texas Southern Plains. Tom Nicoletti takes a look. We go to Eddie Griffiths now for our report from West Texas, the South Plains, and uh, the weather up there, Eddie, uh, this past week was quite cold. Uh, got some uh, uh, overnight uh, and morning temperatures, definitely uh, below 40 degrees. Yes, sir, Tom. It's uh, still chilly, and I, you know, normally we would see planting operations going on, but producers are holding off on getting into the field and getting any kind of seed into the ground, and of course the cold a concern, and we've had some uh, moisture come into the forecast, but really not anything measurable to help out to uh, fill that profile up. So we have good moisture for planting, especially on those dryland acres. So looking for warmer temperatures and also in much need of moisture in West Texas. How's the winter wheat crop uh, progressing right now, Eddie? Winter wheat crop on the irrigated acres looks good. The one rain event we did have definitely helped the dryland acres, and I'm noticing a lot of those acres are being swathed down and going to hay and silage and just trying to get it out of the field while the uh, moisture availability is there before that wheat starts drying down and maybe not reach full maturity. So try to get something out of that wheat crop. Also, feed much needed feed uh, needed in the area for livestock. So the wheat hay will be a premium once they get it out and uh, put into hay bales. And all of this has been uh, fueled by the fact that the, the Texas Drought Monitor is showing uh, out there in West Texas, and specifically uh, your county, Lubbock County, uh, anywhere from a moderate to severe to extreme drought, mostly severe in, in Lubbock County, but uh, you go further west of you and uh, extreme drought, exceptional drought, that's uh, certainly not helping uh, farmers and ranchers at this point. No, especially as we look at May just being around the corner and and everybody needing to get out there and get seed into the ground. The moisture is just not there for that. So planting operations will be at a standstill. You'll you'll see planters putting seed in the ground on irrigated acres, but even the irrigated acres are going to have a tough time trying to get emergence and try to get enough uh, profile there just to get germination. So we're going to need some substantial moisture in the area just to try to get this crop emerged. USDA's uh, crop condition uh, for uh, various crops uh, show uh, certainly that the, the topsoil and subsoil moisture is uh, certainly uh, very very much depleted in, in much of uh, your area of the state. Yeah, even where we, I guess it's two, three weeks ago, and locations got an inch, inch and a half of rain, you got there and dig and you wouldn't even know that we had gotten any moisture. So a real concern in West Texas as we get closer to planting and and trying to get a crop established. All right, Eddie, thanks a lot. That's Eddie Griffiths joining us today with his report from Lubbock. I'm Tom Nicolotti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you find a fawn or a baby bird, keep your hands off. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain why on Texas Ag Today. And the mosquitoes are starting to come out, and they can be a real pain for horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, 
We're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Before you know it, those Texas-sized mosquitoes will be everywhere. They are a real pain for both us as humans and for horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explains. It is a good idea to have a plan on your farm to control mosquitoes. Although I did not realize there was such an entity, the American Mosquito Control Association indicates that more than 200 of the 2,500 existing species of mosquitoes are active in the United States. Mosquitoes are carriers of West Nile, Eastern and Western encephalomyelitis viruses and can transmit these diseases, among others, to horses and humans. The disease in horses causes neurologic dysfunction with fever and sometimes these diseases are fatal. Also, horses tormented by mosquitoes may not eat well and may develop allergic reactions and skin infections from mosquito bites. As far as mosquito control on your farm, we all know about eliminating areas of standing water and this means removing or drilling holes in all containers that could retain water, such as old tires or tarps on the ground. Another thought is to keep weeds mowed, especially around ponds and ditches, so fish, birds, and bats can hunt mosquito larvae more effectively. There are also some biocontrol substances you can add to the water, like some bacteria that kills mosquito larvae, and it is recommended to change chemicals to prevent resistance from developing. Of course, the key to preventing West Nile and Eastern and Western encephalomyelitis in horses is to make sure your horses are vaccinated against these diseases at least once a year. Some fly sheets made for horses will also prevent mosquito bites or at least decrease bites under the sheet. So although mosquitoes are worrisome for your horse, they can cause a lot more problems for your horse than just skin disease. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you find a fawn or a baby bird, it's important to keep your hands off of them. Jessica Domel explains why in today's Wildlife Report. Many species of wild animals across Texas, including birds, deer, and snakes, are out and about this time of year, often with their young. And the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is urging people to give fawns and other baby animals plenty of room. The department says while you may be tempted to help a fawn or a baby bird that appears to be abandoned or injured, you could be doing more harm than good. As dear fawn, Doe will leave the fawn for several hours at a time to find food. So if you see a fawn alone, don't immediately pick it up. Instead, if you're worried, watch from a distance for some time to see if the doe returns. Don't get too close. The doe may not return if humans are too close to the fawn. TPWD biologists encourage people to leave young animals alone unless they are obviously orphaned or injured. If you find a wild animal that is injured, contact a permitted wildlife rehabilitator. Do not handle or attempt to transport the animal. You can find a list of permitted wildlife rehabilitators on the wildlife page on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. That's tpwd.texas.gov. Click on wildlife. 
the wildlife rehabilitators are listed by a county. It will have their name or their organization, what they specialize in, sometimes they have their hours, and the contact information. Keep in mind that wildlife rehabilitators are only able to work on the species that they are permitted for. Again, that's on the wildlife page on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. That's tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We had a higher trade in the cattle complex on Thursday. We ended up closing higher in both live and feeder cattle futures. However, the cotton market moved lower and old crop corn continues to climb. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Thursday was a positive day for the cattle market. We ended up closing higher in both live and feeder cattle futures. We'll start with the live cattle. April up 52 cents, 119.47. The June up 60, 116.05. August live cattle up 92 cents, 117.40. Same story on the feeder market. April feeder cattle up 60 cents, 134.47. May feeders up 87, 135.85. August feeder cattle up 97 cents, 149.87. Cash fed cattle market saw some fairly decent activity on Wednesday. 4,227 head reported sold. Those cattle brought 118 to 119. That's one to two dollars lower compared to last week. Most of the cattle that's left on the show list are priced at 120 and better. Boxed beef prices continuing to climb. Choice up another 96 cents, 293.46. Select up 21 at 279.21. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy sound off, it's time to sell some sheep and goats in San Angelo. Two-day sale, Tuesday and Wednesday. Benny Cox, how's that thing looking to you? We had a lot of bigger bunches. We sold 8,900 yesterday, and then we've got 3,800 to start with this morning. That's going to get us right at 13,000 this week. We had some pretty good groups of those. The slaughter lambs, your hair sheep type, all those kind of 10 to $15 lower. The slaughter ewes, kind of 5 to $10 higher. Kid goats, steady on the real fancy kind. When you got down into some of those kind of betweeners, those could have been, oh, as much as $20 lower, but that market's still just crazy good. If people hadn't been watching it, they'd still think they just struck a, struck gold. Slaughter nannies, kind of 150 to 222 They were a little softer yesterday, kind of 188 to 201 on the 
the majority of those things, well, lots of them been bringing over two dollars, you know, for a good while. These big mature billies, it it was kind of two ten to two fifty nine, got kind of crazy good right there toward the end. I don't know some people got some phone calls, but some of those that were kind of yearly, yearly past, take some of those bring up in the you know two seventy. On the wolf feeder lambs, the range was uh, two fifty six all the way up to two eighty. On the slaughter lambs, light into those kind of two sixty to three oh four, and the heavy weights two thirty to two seventy eight. On the slaughter ewes, ninety to one forty. Mostly 115 to 135. On your kid goats. 350 to 485, but mostly 412 to 435. Tell everybody how to contact you, Benny. Well, they can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. The office, same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. Thank you, Benny, and thank you, my Texas farming and ranching neighbors, for listening to me, Larry Marble, and Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a tumble on Thursday. The May contract down 255 to close at 108.72. June hogs down 240, 106.72. Class 3 milk slightly lower. April milk off a penny, 17.63. May milk down 4 at 19.18, 100 weight. A big drop in the cotton market, a disappointing USDA export sales report on Thursday morning sent the market sharply lower. Only 77,000 bales reported sold for the current crop year. That was very disappointing. Also, rain in the forecast for West Texas, that tended to push the market lower also. July, cotton down 298 points, 86.54. October down 240, 85.44. December cotton down 223 at 83.84. We had a mixed close in the wheat market. Hard wheat was slightly lower. The soft wheat market finished higher. July Kansas City wheat down two cents, 6.94 and a half. July Chicago wheat up six and a quarter, 7.29 a bushel. Same story in the corn market that we've been seeing. That old crop May contract just continues to climb. As strong demand and tight supplies pushes prices higher, May corn up 15 and three quarters, back above $7 now. It closed at $7.02 a bushel. On the new crop month, September down a penny, $5.70 and a half. December down a quarter at $5.46 and a quarter. In the energy markets, June natural gas was down a nickel, $2.90. June crude oil up $1.19, $65.05 a barrel. The financial market's higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 224 points, 34,045. The Nasdaq up 30 at 14,081. The S&P 500 up 26 points, 4,210. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us, and don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.